0: Welcome to Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazzino.
1: And I'm Andrea Parkins.
0: Each week we'll be having fun and candid conversations with amazing chefs about their favorite ingredients. We'll also be talking to artisan food makers about their products. You know, one of the great things about working at Chef's Warehouse is it's given me the opportunity to to travel literally around Europe, around Italy, um, and just to to go to places where these amazing foods that we're all very familiar with are made.
1: Yeah, I don't think people realize, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you pull a box of pasta off of the shelf or, you know, a piece of cheese out of the counter where it comes from. And the chef's warehouse affords us those opportunities to go and see the cheese makers and watch an olive oil production. It's part of the job that I've missed over the last, you know, year because of COVID.
0: We really came up with this idea about talking about the ingredients, talking about the producers, talking with the producers. Of all these products that unfortunately, because we weren't getting on airplanes, you know, we we decided, hey, why not have a podcast? Why not? If we can't be there, why not talk about it? Andrea, I could not be more thrilled than to tell you who we're having on today's show. She's an icon. She's from Los Angeles. She's a famous bread maker.
1: Is she the queen of sourdough?
0: Is that what they call her?
1: Nancy Silverton.
0: Yeah. A close personal friend, you know her well.
1: The last food trip that we took together pre COVID was with Nancy.
0: In Italy, yep. We went to Naples and Calabria. We ate ourselves crazy with pizza and mozzarella cheese, which coincidentally is today's ingredient on Ingredient Insiders.
1: We ate a lot of mozzarella in Italy. I got to milk a baby.
0: Water buffalo. Water buffalo. If you've been lucky enough to meet Nancy Silverton, one thing you will know is she is always working. If you walk into Mozza Moza restaurant in Los Angeles, there's a very good chance on any night of the week that she will be behind the mozzarella counter making your dinner for you. And that's a rarity with chefs. She's kind of like the Energizer Bunny of Working chefs.
1: She never stops. Nope. She's also going to be joining us from Los Angeles from her kitchen. So you may hear some pots and pans in the background, but we can't wait to hear what Nancy has to say.
0: We will have Stefano Bruno of Stefano Cheese on the program. He'll be joining us from Los Angeles. He's a close friend of Nancy Silverton. Do you know what they're really famous for? Burrata. That is crazy. 100% correct. They really are probably responsible for the popularity of burrata cheese in the United States.
1: Absolutely. I think it's gained so much popularity in the last 10 years, and I'm really looking forward to talking to Stefano and hearing the history of his company.
0: You know what's interesting? I was watching The Sopranos. I never saw The Sopranos when it first came out. and
1: My favorite show of all time.
0: In one of those episodes, Arturo who owns the restaurant on the show, mm-hmm. actually serves Carmelo Soprano a special plate of cheese that he's so excited about that he's imported from Italy, and it's called burrata. And what's amazing about this is I believe that episode was filmed in 2001.
1: Mm-hmm. Early 2000s, yeah.
0: I don't think many of us had really ever heard of burrata cheese at that point.
1: No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think it was for at least 10, 12 years that we've been importing it weekly at the chef's warehouse and selling it to our customers. Now you're hearing burrata is stuffed with truffles and all different types of applications on pizza, appetizers. It's it's on almost every menu.
0: I mean, burrata is basically like this incredible version of mozzarella cheese as far as I'm concerned. It's
1: like sinfully good.
0: It's creamy decadent. It's like mozzarella with wings.
1: This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media.
0: Nancy, welcome. We're so excited to have you here.
2: You got it. I'm so happy to be here. You know, we're talking
0: about mozzarella and, you know, to give a little bit of background for the listeners who don't know who Nancy Silverton is, maybe they've been, you know, hiding away for several years without a television or a radio or, you know, Nancy started out in the Los Angeles restaurant scene, became very famous uh, as the pastry chef working alongside Wolfgang Puck at Spago restaurant. Uh, Then she opened with her uh, partner, Mark Peel, Campanile restaurant. And today has what I would call, it's not even a mini empire. It's kind of an empire. Now mozza restaurant. She's got the Osteria and Pizzeria mozza. She has key spaca. Um, most recently in LA, the Barish at the Roosevelt Hotel. Pizette. Don't forget Little Pizette. And Little Pizette in Culver City. How could I forget? And now you're international again. London, Cabo San Lucas. Where, I mean, when does it stop? How do you do this?
2: You know, uh, you do it like the way everybody else does. You find good people to do it for you. And that's certainly, yeah. The key. And
0: you got an amazing team. Uh, we're, we're lucky to know a few of your uh, great people. And So
2: I know that
1: bread and pastry kind of started your career career you know you have had many trips to italy and you were kind of inspired by mozzarella and the ingredients around it can you tell us a little bit about that and your passion and obsession with mozzarella how it
2: came to be yeah it wasn't so much the mozzarella or i didn't realize how much i loved it it was more that i went to visit on the suggestion of a fellow chef new concept that had just Begun in Rome. Now that the pizzeria is 15 years, it must have been 18 years ago, 17 or 18 years ago, Jeremiah Tower, the infamous California, Northern California uh, chef, restaurant owner, person extraordinaire, suggested that I visited it. He had visited me at my home. And after having a meal that I just coincidentally through together, using mozzarella as the star of the table and doing all these supporting condiments go along with it. He's the one that suggested I check out this restaurant called Obica in Rome that's just open. And what drew me to that restaurant immediately was how focused it was. And I was in the market to start another business, start a new restaurant. I had just left Campanile a few months before, and I didn't know what was my next step. And after I saw this restaurant, this is what I wanted to do. And um, by the way, if you're thinking about my restaurants, up, both Pizzeria Mozza and Osteria Moza, you might see how much my love transferred into the name of the restaurants because Moza, Pizzeria Mozza, and Osteria Moza are short for mozzarella. So it, you know, I was really able to capture on that concept.
0: For folks who haven't been lucky enough to visit Moza in LA, the Osteria, I mean, it's almost as if the mozzarella cheese is the centerpiece of a sushi bar type setup where, and quite often, and and amazingly, Nancy's quite often behind that bar, almost like a sushi chef that's preparing these dishes for the guests that are sitting right in front of you.
2: That's what was so great about this restaurant, Albika. So the Obika was started by the, I don't know if it's the owner or the CEO or the family. He had gone to Tokyo and fell in love with the the sushi bar. And so he wanted to do some version of it back in Italy. At that time, sushi didn't make sense to him. And so he thought about mozzarella. So even the logo of Obika is very Japanese and it had that feel. The colors were in black and red. The graphics were, you know, sort of... Very air airbrushed and they, it felt very Japanese, and that's the image he was trying to convey and that was what I picked up on and I always at first I thought it was owned by a Japanese company that I was wrong. it was like the opposite, and it was sort of not Japanese, but it was Japanese you know, inspired. And mozzarella, no matter if it's, you know, no matter what animal it's coming from, whether it's a bufala, so buffalo milk mozzarella, whether it's cow's milk mozzarella, whether it's, um, a fresh ricotta from, um, Sheep. All of the flavors, because they're fresh cheese, are very mild, and they provide a very, very workable canvas for so many flavors, as opposed to, if you were going to open up, say, a blue cheese bar. So when John said, like for those of you that are listening that haven't been to the Osteria, which is next door to the pizzeria, the focal point is this giant marble bar where... Either myself or myself and three other people are doing all sorts of things, not only with mozzarella, but our whole antipasti section of the menu comes out of that bar, which to me is important to have the visual workings of a kitchen inside the dining room. I think that it's such a connection between the customer and food. And so, you know, we do a lot of other things at Osteria. We're known for our pasta. We're known for a lot of things, but it's the mozzarella bar that really is what captures your your eye when you walk in the door. And so what we do is we try to use all different forms of mozzarella. We use imported bufala from southern region of Italy. We use sheep's milk ricotta. We use locally made the form of burrata, traditional mozzarella, and we use smoked Mozzarella, and we use domestic-made yeah. mozzarella.
0: You know, mozzarella is interesting, and I, I love the idea of the mozzarella as a almost like a blank canvas, where yeah, you know, I've had some of my favorite things that I've had at your restaurants are just you know simple anchovy laid over some mozzarella yeah. on a piece of toast.
2: Just surprised to me because I never thought. Whenever you think of mozzarella, you don't really think of fish. Right, um, or you don't always. When you think of fish, you don't necessarily think of cheese. That combination in Southern Italy, the bufala and the anchovy, and I've really embraced it in so many forms. I think for me, that's my favorite pairing.
0: Yeah, and, and mozzarella. You know, I think all of us, or a lot of us, you know, even as kids, obviously it's not the lovely artisanal cheese, but you know, mozzarella sticks for a child and obviously mozzarella on pizza are things that people of every age love. It's a very accessible cheese.
1: It's like an introductory cheese. It is. yeah.
0: But it also, once you start to get into these really, Nancy took us to a restaurant outside of Naples where they actually grow the buffalo. Vanula. Yes. Yes. Vanula. Oh my God. That was the most magical meal I think I've ever had in Italy.
2: It was a restaurant on a farm, on a buffalo farm. Now most buffalo producers in Italy by their milk. This is one of the few or only, and I think it's the only unpasteurized. So they can't, for instance, sell it to Chef's Warehouse Warehouse cannot bring it over because it's not pasteurized. But one of the few mozzarella makers that they raise and melt the bufala on their farm, but it's not pasteurized and their bufala are treated in a way that's far better than I'm treated. I'll tell you Opera, do you remember that? They have these showers where you know anytime they're not feeling like they need a they need a refresh, they walk under these showers. They have this scratching station that almost looked like a shoe cleaning station that rotates. Those are happy buffalo. They're living the good life. They have a great life. They make, I think, the world's best buffalo, but you have to go there to eat it at the farm. And one of
0: the things that I discovered there, too, is that I had this perception that buffalo milk, when I had buffalo milk mozzarella in the United States, that it was a very tangy thing. And it was a very almost you know, I don't want to say sour in a bad way, but it it had a certain flavor to it. And then when I went to Vanula, I saw that actually I was quite wrong that the flavor of their product was sweeter and creamier than I had ever thought. Much more
1: mild than any buffalo that I've had in the U.S.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if something happens in transport or what it is, but...
2: Yeah, something definitely happens that does not translate in transfer. Unfortunately, it's the only way that we can get it over here. But bufala... Buffalo milk mozzarella is refrigerated. Everything changes about it. Right. Made to last three days. And that can't happen both with the regulations and the flight over. The
0: the time frame, I think it really has an effect on it. Fortunately, and this is something that, you know, we've seen in the last decade or a little bit more than that. You've got some great cheesemakers now in the United States that are turning out products that we've never seen before. Artisanal cheeses, particularly mozzarella, particularly... Burrata.
1: Like De Stefano. Like John said, there's so many different mozzarella makers. How did you pick De Stefano? What was it, what about it made it your mozzarella?
2: Well, first of all, given the choice, he's making it in Los Angeles, and so when I can, I prefer to buy local. That's without a doubt. But he is the person that introduced me to burrata. I and I don't think the rest of this part of the world had ever heard of burrata because it was a cheese that was not being made. Actually, the casaficio that he worked at coming from Puglia is the casaficio that invented, in quotes, burrata. It wasn't approved by the health department. They would not approve it. So instead, he made up the name, and this is a cheese that we still use, and it's not even heard of in Italy. If you went to Italy and say, can I buy some burricota, the made-up word of burrata and ricotta, skin of mozzarella that holds a bag of ricotta. That's what the health department could relate to that. So he, that's what he sold first. But when he's made burrata, he came to Campanile. He tells the story of coming to me and my and myself tasting it and immediately saying, I'll buy everything you have, where he had a very difficult time selling it to the well-known Italian restaurant because they had never had it before. A product coming from Puglia, they didn't understand it. You know, Italians, as much as I love them, they are very close-minded. Burrata is
0: certainly having a moment now. I mean, and again, yeah, I think you make a great point. Who had heard of Burrata 15... 15- years ago very few
3: people and you know, I
2: always say to people like I think in Los Angeles especially there's a law that if you don't have burrata on your menu and I don't care what kind of restaurant you have it could be Japanese Chinese you know Mexican uh Afghanistan there is some burrata concoction on the dish and I'm also really proud because I know I'm talking to you and you're on the East Coast and you're in the New York area and New Yorkers like to always say that they validate every food trend. And I'm happy to say that the burrata usage or the love for burrata started in Los Angeles.
0: Yes. I will concede that to Los Angeles yes. for sure. LA We've wins. got a great mozzarella producer in our local region called Calabro. I mean, they do beautiful products. They've got a ricotta that people want across the country and their burrata now is is one of their more popular items as well. I'd be curious to know what are the dishes that you love incorporating the mozzarella into? You know, obviously pizza is one of them, but you know, what are your, some of your greatest hits? What are the Nancy Silverton mozzarella makes this dish that much better?
2: Well, I think that I should start out with, Probably one of the most iconic dishes at Mozza in both Mozza Pizzeria and Osteria is what we call the Mozza Caprese. In developing the menu, I was trying to come up with a menu felt and read and tasted pizzeria, but in the Nancy Silverton way, what am I going to do with a mozzarella Caprese or a Caprese salad as people call it? And that was something that I kind of left for last because I didn't know how I was going to deal with it. Because at least three quarters of the year, it is made with underripe, underflavored tomatoes. Cardboard. Walking into a pizzeria in December and seeing caprese on the menu was like, all right, I think I'm going to leave because this restaurant has no credibility. But people would come in and say, don't you have a caprese, right? So I had to think, what am I going to do? So the first thing I did is I got the cheese. I thought, I'm going to do with burrata. That was the first thing. I had to figure out what to do with those Underripe, underflavored tomatoes. And that's when I came up with the idea of slowly roasting them on the vine, where you sort of encourage the sweetness of the tomatoes by semi drying them out. And that became our ball of of burrata with a spoonful of freshly made pesto, basil pesto, um, a pile of the tomatoes on top and some Genovese basil. Yum. So delicious, and you can eat it year-round. So delicious. That probably is the star. I prefer dishes with the shortest amount of ingredients. We serve buffalo mozzarella and alongside a small tin of Spanish anchovies from the Cantabrian Sea. I know you did carry them for a while. I think you still do through Chef's Warehouse. I find the Spanish anchovies from from that sea The best anchovies so good. that I've ever had.
0: You know, I, my jaw dropped with the talk about the uh, Spanish anchovies because I love anchovies.
1: I love anchovies and we want to... How do you feel about anchovies?
2: <laughs> love. I never met an anchovy I haven't liked. I
0: think that's amazing. I think next episode that we have you on, Nancy, season two... We're going to talk about anchovies. I think we could talk about anchovies for two hours.
2: You got it.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always. I know you're off to Italy tomorrow, so you got to get your bags packed and head to the airport pretty soon. But we are so grateful, so appreciative of everything that you've done. And
2: Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'm so happy I don't have to bring mozzarella in my suitcase because I have an unlimited amount when I get there.
0: Amazing.
1: This episode will be sponsored by De Stefano Cheese. We'll be talking with Stefano Bruno about burrata, all things mozzarella, and how they partner with us at The Chef's Warehouse.
0: Andrea, I'm really quite happy to introduce our next guest, Stefano Bruno of De Stefano Cheese. He and his family are great producers of award-winning burrata and mozzarella cheese. And today we're talking about mozzarella cheese. Couldn't be happier to have him on.
1: Welcome, Stefano. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Your family comes from Italy. Your father founded the company. Tell us about the history of the company. I mean, why did your father choose California?
3: My dad started making cheese when he was 11 years old in uh, Puglia in Italy, and he was content doing it. It was his passion. He absolutely loved it. He started from cleaning the floors, cleaning the vats, And eventually, as he spent more time at the company, became one of the cheesemakers. At 18 years old, he met my mom, who was vacationing in Apulia, visiting her family, fell in love, and then two years later moved to L.A. to be with her.
0: She was an American girl. So tell us, you know, what type of cheeses are being made at Stefano today?
3: We make all of the traditional fresh Italian cheeses when it comes to pasta filata. So mozzarella, burrata, ricotta, mascarpone, scamorza, caciocavallo. And then we also do some one-offs here and there that we kind of do as special orders for people that call in. So like stracchino or primo sale. Uh, Nodini and things like that. I mean, at the end of the day, we're a family owned company. So we're we're doing this more for fun than anything else.
0: And it's serious cheese. I mean, you have some of the best chefs in the United States that talk with great reverence about your products. Obviously, the, one of the key components of these type of cheeses is the milk. Where's the milk coming from?
3: When we began cheese making or when I began cheese making, at least it was very scientific to me. I spent six months in our lab just playing around with every aspect of the milk i wanted to see what different ph levels did i wanted to see what different salinity levels did and then i started realizing that the milk that we were receiving was very inconsistent i mean one day i would receive a batch with certain protein and fat levels uh, and the next it would be completely off around 2015 my dad and I decided to work with a farmer directly in our vicinity, which is in Ontario. And it's about 10 miles away from our cheese plant. And our initial goal was how can we get the best milk to make the best cheeses. So we started increasing grass portions in the feed. We started increasing the amount of time that the cows get to play on the pasture. What we started realizing was that through these experiences and through these changes, our milk production was becoming significantly higher quality, which was leading to higher quality cheeses. But then again, it kind of allowed us to get a scope as to what is wrong with the farm in general, the farming idea in general. So we've transitioned our focus in the last years to trying to become the best cheese company that we can be by supporting our farmer. I mean, that's kind of like the biggest thing. Unfortunately, in California, and I think in most of the United States, milk production is kind of seen as this commodity thing. It's just a commodity that we're trying to make to get the masses. But if you truly want to do something that's going to push the limits of what cheese making is, you have to change the fundamental of milk.
0: Yeah, I love the fact that you guys have gone that you know, the extra mile to really make sure that these are happy cows and they're making great milk and that obviously it's going to have a direct result on the end product.
1: A lot of people, they when they think about mozzarella, they think about the package that they buy at the grocery store. What makes your mozzarella or fresh mozzarella special?
3: Well, our mozzarella is alive. When we receive the milk in, we pasteurize, our cheesemakers, we don't standardize the milk. We don't expect the milk to be at a certain level every day. We have to play and dance with the milk. So if we receive milk in that is at a certain fat and protein percentage, our cheesemakers have to study that milk for about an hour every morning, playing around with what the best pH acidity level would be to create the cheese. We are legitimately working with the milk as opposed to forcing it to be what we want. So we don't add any type of whey powders or protein powders or gums or whiteners or anything. Our cheeses are 100% all natural. We rely on the experience of our cheesemakers and at the back end the passion of our cheesemakers to make the best cheeses that we can make.
1: So when you're when you're making the fresh mozzarella how do you pull it how does it become so fresh and luscious and delicious.
3: So it starts off with pasteurizing the milk. Then we will go ahead and acidify the milk. And you can do this using vinegar. Uh, We then heat the milk and add an enzyme called rennet. The rennet coagulates the milk and then we will cut and mix it, which will cause the curds to separate from the whey. The whey gets sent to turn into ricotta and the curd gets turned into either mozzarella or burrata or any other pasta filata cheese that you would like to make.
0: Talk to us about burrata versus mozzarella. I mean, I feel like Burrata kind of came to life in the United States, maybe just in the last 10 years. It's not something I mean, I'm sure our listeners today are very aware of what burrata is, but it's something that, you know, as I was growing up in New York in an Italian family, we didn't really ever, you know, I didn't, I knew mozzarella quite well. It was in many of the dishes and obviously on pizza and all these things. But Burrata was, I feel like, something that I didn't see until, you know, fairly recently. Yeah, so Burrata as a
3: cheese is relatively new. It's only got maybe 40 to 45 years of age. Uh, when my dad was 11 years old, it was just starting to come up in Puglia. It's got a bunch of mystery behind it because Puglia is not necessarily the most technology advanced region of Italy. And so it's kind of word of mouth. But the history that we know is that burrata started in Andria about 45 years ago and then made its way through Puglia. Rome, for example, which is in the center of Italy, didn't see burrata until maybe the early 2000s, 2010-ish.
0: And what's the primary difference between the traditional mozzarella and burrata?
3: The biggest difference is that burrata was a way of helping get rid of the byproduct of mozzarella. So when you stretch mozzarella by hand, At the very end, you end up with these pieces of cheese that have been overworked. And so they lose a little bit of their fat. You get those pieces and you make them into long strings like string cheese. Then you rip those apart and then you would add uh, cream. So we use panna, which is a little bit different than heavy whipping cream. It's a mixture, it's kind of like in the middle of heavy whipping cream and mascarpone. So it's kind of thick, kind of runny, but not too thick and not too runny. So you mix these strands with this panna, And the dehydrated strands will now pull in the fat and the moisture from the cream and become luscious and lumpy again. That then gets filled into a burrata, mozzarella pouch, and that's how you get burrata.
0: Are those strands the stracciatella?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the stracciatella, and the name comes from the string cheese being ripped apart, which in Italian is called, it's uh, stracciare. So the stracciatella comes from stracciare, which is the ripping apart of the
0: string cheese. Ah, now I see. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with The Chef's Warehouse. How does your cheese make it into the, the great restaurants of the U.S.? Nancy Silverton, for example, speaks very highly of your cheese. How did that relationship come about?
3: I think what the chefs really appreciate is that we're just regular people, man. We're just trying to make, we're trying to find a passion in life that we can pursue. And cheese just happens to be what that is. And so when we talk to chefs, we can kind of relate because most chefs, as you guys know, are extremely passionate. They don't necessarily follow the rules that everybody else follows. They have their own mindset on how things work. To a certain point, it's almost like uh, it's like an art. So when we got to know Nancy, she just liked the way uh, we ran things. When she first saw our production, uh, we were in Bolden Park, which was in a shack essentially. And we had modified the interior to be almost like a clean room. It was a hundred percent Renovated on the inside to where we had, uh, you know, floor to ceiling, top notch, state of the art fa- uh, factory. But from the outside, it looked like this rundown warehouse, essentially. So Nancy came in, and I remember her face was like, What am I getting myself into? And then when she walked into the production floor, she just fell in love with what we were able to do with the space that we created. You know, when our family started this business, we didn't have the resources that we have today. I mean, we were maybe lower middle class, if that. So we put everything that we could into this project. And I think Nancy just fell in love with the amount of passion that she saw when she walked through those doors.
0: Do you guys get a lot of feedback from chefs? Do they help alter how you guys produce the cheeses? Is there a give and take where you're doing things a little bit differently based upon their input?
3: So we have certain principles that we will never change, uh, one of which is all natural. The other one would be the quality that goes into our milk. Aside from that, we definitely listen to chefs and see what their perspective is on You know, especially when it comes to plating, if they feel like a cheese would need to be a little bit softer, a little bit harder, whatever it has to be, like on the texture side. But one thing we would never consider doing, and it's kind of something that we've stuck to our guns since the beginning, is the salt. Uh, We've had a few comments where chefs would say they would like to see a little bit more salt in our cheese. And our number one argument against that is that salt is a cheap. It's a fast way to add flavor, but what we want to do is highlight our milk and not just cover it with salt. I hardly know any chefs that will serve, actually, I don't know any chefs that'll serve a piece of mozzarella or burrata the plate by itself. Every single one of them will season it to a certain extent. And so we want them to understand that the cheese shouldn't come salty. The cheese, the cheese should come tasting like the milk that went into it. We're here to highlight the milk.
1: Are there any type of requests that you're getting? I've seen in the market truffle burrata. Is there any types of uh, R&D that you guys are working on?
3: Yeah, so we actually make a white truffle burrata. It's gained a lot of traction in the last few months. But in the market, like for example, if we look at Italy, they're called like boutique burratas where they'll have either pistachio cream they'll do Nutella type of style they'll do these like one-off cheese styles right we don't want to get into that necessarily because we feel like the end of the day truffle burrata was something that we did because we got a ton of requests for it and so it was just like let's do the best truffle burrata we can but we kind of believe in the fact that if you want burrata to have a certain flavor it would be up to the chef to add the best ingredients that he can find on that end so if you want a truffle burrata find the best truffle you can and shave it on top. Or if you want that with burrata with the pistachio cream, find the best pistachio cream you can and put that on
0: top. You know, we're the ingredient insiders, the chef's warehouse. We're always looking for innovation. We're looking for the newest trends. Is there something that's on the horizon in the in the world of cheese we should know about?
3: The next big thing is not going to be a new item, but it's going to be the the care that people take into what they eat. I think we're going to slowly, slowly but surely, start to see these commodity style producers either adapt or they're gonna to have to change their processes completely because, I mean, people are starting to wise up. COVID wasn't a joke. Health is now starting to become a big concern for a lot of Americans, especially a lot of Californians. Whereas before people maybe didn't look at the ingredient statement, now they are. I mean, they're concerned with what goes into their body. These commodity producers that were essentially mixing whey proteins with water to make cheese that they could just pump out, you know, thousands of pounds at a time. I think that's something that's going to be a part of the past, which is kind of great because speaking sustainably, that's not something we can continue doing uh, for you know, forever. We have to start finding ways to be more sustainable and more uh, in tune with our planet.
0: Stefano, where can our listeners at home find your cheese? Is it available in retail? Is it available for mail order?
3: Yes. If you look, uh, if you're in California, Gelson's Whole Foods, uh, we just landed a contract with Albertsons. So uh, they'll be carrying it. The thing is, we sell to distributors primarily, and then they take care of selling to retailers and uh, restaurants. So I know in California, a majority of the burrata you guys find in the restaurants, 80 to 85% of it is ours. And then on the retail side, those are the three that we have primarily in uh, California. Out of states, it's just, it's a bunch of the smaller mom and pop shop, uh, type shops.
1: Stefano, we really appreciate your partnership with Chef's Warehouse and uh, being on our podcast, we really love your product. It's so delicious. Uh, anyone who's listening, if you are, in, you know, in California, go to your next Whole Foods and buy the De Stefano Mozzarella Embrata.
3: Thank you, guys. Pleasure was mine.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders. Like what you hear? Write us a review and let us know what you think. You can find us on Instagram at, at Ingredient Insiders. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: On our next episode, we'll be joined by Chef Christian Petroni, a rising star of the Food Network. He's also the man behind Gabagool Media. He is just a great guy, a really fun character, and we're definitely going to have loads of fun talking about Parmesan cheese. And we'll also be joined by Ambrosi Foods, makers of some of the finest Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese available in North America.